Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Schick-Guzman. Today, we thought we would dive into the topic of deconstructing stress right? How do we deconstruct stress? How do we understand it? How do we navigate it? And how do we remove it from our life and business? I think this is going to be an awesome topic. What do you think, Laura? Uh, Yes. Whenever we talk about, you know, how to navigate stress, I'm in because, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to continue to explore this topic. (laughs) Right, right. Like the ones that we're invested in for ourselves, we're totally in. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I love it. And look, I think it's really an epidemic. I don't know any woman who is, you know, who has a pretty successful business who isn't experiencing some level of stress. I don't know many humans in the world right now who aren't experiencing some level of stress. This is an epidemic and I think everyone can relate to it on one level or another. Oh, it is definitely an epidemic. And I think one of the things leading into this conversation that you and I had kind of sparked the inspiration for this is just thinking about the fact that, you know, it really is a um, it's a it's it's like a common cage that we're all kind of sitting feeling like we're we're caged in by overwhelm and by stress. And my question to you, I was like, why is it that we like um, participate in this story? Like, why is it that we feel so stuck and that we have to be in the rat race and this is what our culture does. And and I know I personally felt like I've tried to raise my children in a kind of outside of that box and put them in alternative schools. And yet they still get pulled back into a world that doesn't seem to have a lot of mm, like softness or compassion around the need to slow down, the need to take breaks. But despite that, we still have some sense of our um, I don't want to say control, but we have an, a reaction. How can we react to stress? What can we think about it? And how can we deconstruct it in a way that, that it possibly can change for us in our day-to-day, that we can start to experience more stress-free moments, even if not full hours or days yet? How do we move towards less stress and more presence in our life? Yeah. You know, the, the most interesting part about this topic is that there is, I don't want to say legitimate stress, but there is like real stressors and they have some basis in reality. And then there is like perceived stress, right? So it's like when we perceive it because of something we have inside of us. And so let me let me break this down a bit because I experience this a lot with my clients. People come to me, let's say they have issues around money, right? So they have some perceived idea of what stability means, of what security means, and they're in their business and they're not creating the kind of money fast enough that they want to create. And they come to me and they're like, I have to go get a job, you know, as an example. And I'm like, really? Do you have to go get a job right now? Like, you know, where are you at? Let's talk about your money. Send me all your numbers. Let's look at your finances and your expenses and all of that. And then when I look at it, I'm like, but – you're actually fine right now. So what is it? But I just feel like I'm, you know, like I need to get a job. Like I'm feeling so stressed all the time. And so sometimes the perception 
of our stress is different than necessarily the reality of what we're experiencing in our circumstances. And that's why I think this is such a fascinating topic because there is really you know, stress to where we are confronted with too much on our plates, right? So we literally are having to deal with family issues and work issues. And like, we just get to a level where we can no longer cope. And then I think sometimes even when we have space or even when we have security to some degree, we're still stressed based on some internal constructs. So this is what I think is such so fascinating. Agreed. Yes. And this is the psychological underpinnings that are so interesting, you know, that we are often seeing that life is even more stressful than it really is. Because there are, and there are lots of um, like self-report types of surveys and things that people can use, therapists can use to have a client um, determine their level of stress. And what's interesting is that, yes, our perception can really change those results. Like you can have a move and a new baby and a new job and all these things happening at the same time. But if you're feeling really supported, maybe in all of those things, you're feeling really aligned with all of those things, you're feeling much more excitement than you are fear, then although you're under a lot of stressful moments, like those would be rated, you know, five on the the one to five scale on significant moments of stress, but you don't perceive it as stressful because there's other things happening that shift that perception. And, and I honestly have had moments in my own life recently where I've had to pull in some reality checking, which is a cognitive behavioral tool in therapy. It's kind of like this thought stopping or you kind of like thought reality check, like, is that really true? So I'm having a feeling of like, oh my goodness, I am under the most stress I've ever been. Like I have to do this and this and this and it's horrible. Then I have to stop and I have to think, okay, let's back that up for a minute. If like the world ended right now, would I really, would I really need to do that thing? Or is anybody going to, that's the big question. It's like, is anybody going to die if I don't get this done? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, is anybody really going to be harmed? Am I going to die? Am I my child? No. Like somebody's going to be disappointed and that might be stressing me out. Something might be not completed and I feel stressed about that. But it's our story about what that means about us, about our value, about our meaning, about our success. That's where we start to get really stressed. And so I find that I do have to stop in those moments and ask myself what's really true. Like how stressful is this really? Yes. So good. So good. And that self-awareness is huge, right? It's key. Because I think a lot of stress is about perceptions. And if we change our perception, we change the feeling of stress in our bodies. You know, so let's spend some time talking about that arena. And then maybe towards the end of the podcast, we can talk some about like how to deconstruct some of the structures in our life that have really produced stress and how we can sort of get off that, you know, rat wheel and and actually have less stress in our lives. But I think really we can't move even there until we talk about the perception we have around it. And you are so right on, Laura. It's all these ideas we have about disappointing people, that that's the end of the world. Or that if we don't pay a bill on time, that that's the end of the world. Like I remember when I was really young and 
for anyone who knows my story, like uh, my father was an accountant. I grew up very responsible with money. Like, you know, I always paid everything on time. I was, you know, I paid attention to everything. And I had a very sort of uh, challenging first marriage. A lot happened, you know, and it was pretty much a disaster. Everything fell apart in my life and I lost everything. Well, during that time, I remember the first time a bill was late with my first husband, I went into like panic. Like I thought I was going to die. I thought it was, I was hyperventilating. Like a bill is late, right? <laughs> and I think, you know, like at that time, yeah. my perception was that is the end of the world <laughs> as we know it. And then, you know, then it got to the point in that marriage, especially where, you know, it was like I was playing the 30 day game as long as a bill wasn't 30 days late, you know? <laughs> so like my perception of that time changed. And, you know, I'm thankful to not be sort of in some of those situations now, but it gave me this real understanding of how we perceive things. Or like, for instance, when I was in university, I thought I had to get all A's. And I got in six years of university, I got one B. And when I got that B, I cried for days. Like, it was like this, I was a little bit high stress kind of child. But you know, like, it was that perception that getting A's was so important when later on, that mattered not at all. Like, no one ever asked me my GPA. No one ever cared when I made, you know, in terms of all my A's or how hard I worked at university. That all became irrelevant. And so it was just my perception about what was there. And that perception created so much stress in my life that I could have avoided and had a lot more enjoyment had I not had those beliefs. Oh, oh, I can really resonate with this. So much like of perceived consequences. And, you know, I would just really stress out because, oh, you're going to, yes, this bill is going to be late. Same thing in my family. It was just, you know, I thought that, somebody was going to show up and like cart me away or to jail or something. You know, the way my parents talked like, you cannot be ever late on a payment, you know, ruin your credit forever. And yes, there are consequences. But sometimes, you know, now in my life, I have to ask, is the stress worth my mental health? Or do I take the consequence? Oh, I missed that deadline. What does that mean? Do I pay a fine? Do I miss out on an opportunity? Do I disappoint someone? What's going to happen? And am I okay with that? Do I just take that consequence? Because a lot of times recently, the answer is, hell yes, it's worth it. Just take the consequence and save my mental health. <laughs> just do it. Because what I have found now that I've kind of let that go and I just face the consequence, usually things get repaired people will give you another chance or you'll just reschedule or you'll, you know, pay it and you'll be fine. You call the company, they give you a payment plan. Wow. You know, it's, it's amazing what you find out that there's more support than you realize if you just actually let go of these stories that you have to be perfect, that you have to get it all right. Because in the end, like, again, if you're alive and everyone you love is still breathing and safe, mm. then there's not really any bad consequence that can't be dealt with. Like you can deal with any of those other things and they will be something you can find a solution for. Or you just sit in the discomfort of whatever that consequence of like, ugh, I disappointed that person. My mother really wanted me to do that and I didn't plan that party or I didn't do that thing. Oh, well. Yes. <laughs> and you know what's so interesting too is that the more experience you have with 
just not doing those things, right? It, it's actually a great experiment. I always tell people, I want you to experiment disappointing someone, right? Or I want you to experiment just not <laughs> doing that. Like just experiment it with it and see what it feels like. It doesn't mean, you know, the next time you can't always make sure you never, ever disappoint anyone, but just see what it feels like. Like see what that experience is. Because when you have different experiences, it really shifts your perception. I mean, you know, when I lost everything, which is back in – I don't even remember what year, like many years ago. And like, I literally had nothing. I was like sleeping on the couch with my child, my first child, and like just trying to figure out how I was going to feed myself the next week. And like at my marriage and like everything had all fallen apart within two weeks. You know, that was a real huge wake up call that I can survive anything. And so now I am so much less stressed about whatever comes my way because it's like I've survived that. Everything else is just stupid, right? It's just like of no consequence. And so sometimes like testing yourself, experiencing things, trying something out, having that curiosity to explore it, you realize, wow, that was not nearly as bad as my perception of it was. Absolutely. And I'm even thinking that if I was to just really reduce stress to one thing and you're like, what is stress? I'd say stress is the fear of consequences. Mm. Yes. Because if you let go of being afraid of what might happen if, and you trust that you have the resiliency and the capacity to sit with that discomfort, then there's not as much stress really. So true. I love that framework, Laura. I think that really is it. And I think so many of us don't trust ourselves to be able to handle what comes. And there's such this fear that we'll lose everything, right? That we don't really take stock of the reality check, right? And look at, in this moment, I have food to eat. In this moment, my family is okay. We have a roof over our heads. In this moment, we're all alive, Like, you know, there's these things where we really have to sometimes widen back and just be like, the most important things are here. And it's not going to be the end of the world if something doesn't happen or, you know, if I bounce a check or if, you know, I don't have all of my savings in check. You know, if if I'm using my savings, because people get stressed about that as well. Oh, no, I'm using my savings while I'm building my business. But, you know, that's the thing is that, and I'm not saying or advocating take a bunch of risks and don't do anything responsible. Like, again, that's not what we're talking about. But we're really saying do a reality check and look at where does this stress come from and why do I perceive things in the way it is? And I think like what you were saying, in places that we're fearful, oftentimes what's being triggered is some of our greatest, deepest fears, right? Fears that we won't be loved. Fears that we're not good enough. Like that's what's usually being triggered in the moments of our greatest stress. And if we can understand those triggers and we can have compassion with ourselves, I think that really shifts our experience with stress. Yes, yeah. So deconstructing stress has a lot to do with deconstructing fear. And we've used fear, for many of us have been taught and conditioned to use fear as a motivator. So if fear is motivating us to get something done and it's causing, so that secondary though uh, effect of that is that it's causing you stress because you're afraid. But then you're like, oh, if I let go of fear and I'm not going to get this done, then you're in this conundrum, right? You're like, oh, 
crap. So I'm just going to keep feeling stressed out and scared. And I'm going to have this glass house that I build on top of this hill. And I'm just going to walk around holding my breath constantly that it won't break. I mean, that is exhausting. That is so exhausting to walk through every day of our lives in that glass house. And so if we really deconstruct fear and look at like, you know, what if I come from a place of love and trust and support? Like, I trust myself, I love myself, and I know there's unseen and seen support around me. Like, what if that is my reality? And, and I'm not saying that that reality is easy for us all to get to, because I have been on that journey all my life to like truly embody that. And I go in and out of being able to really know that to be true. And then being on the other edge, like caught in that glass house, trapped again, holding my breath, thinking that I've got to hold all the pieces together, you know? But yes, it's so important that we understand that we have so much capacity and ability to sit with what comes. I mean, humans are amazing. We're so adaptive. And I think that it's just a matter of yeah, of like thinking about are we coming from this place of self-love or we're coming from a place of fear and, and self-criticism. Yeah, so important. And, and I think it's a constant practice really. Like, you know, I also go back and forth and I find that I'm definitely at a place in my life where I trust myself more often than not. And so, you know, that's a testament to all the practice I've done. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, in truth, like it is a back and forth. It was interesting because recently I had a talk with my stepdaughter. I took her up to Dallas to send her back to Australia and and we had a little chat and she was asking me questions like, you know, because she's at a place at 16 years old and almost 17 where, well, she's 17 now, but where she's trying to navigate and figure out like what does she do with her life, right? And And she was asking me questions like, how do you trust yourself? right? How do you take the risks that you've taken in your life and just hope that it works out? You know, and I explained to her that really it's a practice, right? It's a choice. You know, in the moments when we can choose fear and stress, we choose, you know, grace and trust and that everything is going to work itself out and that it's going to be okay and that we can be in the present moment and we can appreciate where we are at right now and that things will shift and change. And that is a practice that we have to keep choosing over and over again until that muscle is really strong. And then we have to choose it less and practice it less. But then we'll hit times where life really throws us something, man, <laughs> you know, really throws us those curveballs. And guess what? We've got to use that muscle again. So I think that this is just sort of segued into such a lovely topic because just like our self-trust episode, so much comes back to that and and letting go of the fear and or working with fear or even sitting in the fear. Like it's okay to have fear, but knowing that you will make it through this and that this too shall pass. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, bringing this back into the body, what I find is that people just, because you were talking about, you know, that this is something that is not just a, like a mental tips and strategies and how do we deconstruct, but it's like understanding how it lands in us and how it lands in the body. And it ties into, I think, you know, what I have found with my clients is that discomfort is just one of those things that people are, are very unfamiliar with in their body because as soon as they feel fear or hurt wounding, they jump out of the body. 
it's like, oh, let me go out of that sensation. I'm going to go into my mind. I'm going to rationalize or tell a different story or fix that. And, you know, part of that is biology. And we've been evolved to have a bias towards, you know, sensing something really scary in our body means, oh, we got to change directions. Like, that's bad. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm getting too hot. I'm getting into something that is instinctually dangerous, right? So we have a biology that creates a negativity bias. It's always looking for like, what's wrong and how do I get out of it? So we have to ha- have to have some understanding, compassion, that that's good and it serves a purpose on some level. But that's why we have the evolved prefrontal brain that says, hey, maybe there is something to this. And what if I sat with the discomfort? Like, cause I just assessed my surroundings. There is no tiger, there's no fire. I'm good. So I'm going to sit and let myself actually feel the animal body. That's what, you know, um, people know the the beautiful um, poet, Mary Oliver. She has this poem that is talks about the wild, soft animal body. And, you know, being with the body means that it does have these wild sensations and it's doing all these things that you have to sit and learn to trust. And it's going to pass. Like what you feel is a experience. It's not an identity. It's not going to stay forever. It's not going to be who you are. It's just an experience. It's like moving throughout the body. And I think that that is something I want to say is that it's a practice to actually sit and feel discomfort, welcome it in, have compassion for yourself. It's hard to sit with it. But even if you can sit with it for a few seconds, then you're going to get more and more of that muscle, that practice of being with it. And the more we sit and kind of welcome that into the body and then release it, that builds our confidence and that builds our capacity to be in the hardest of times with ourselves because we know our body can handle it and we know deep in our bones that we're good and our body's going to do it and release it, whatever it needs to do in order to, to get us back into like a more resting state. Yeah, I love that. And I think this really, you know, that so much about deconstructing stress is, you know, what we talk about a lot, which is really doing that inner work to understand what is triggering our stress, what we're actually feeling, what our perceptions are, you know, what is it we're fearing, what are the consequences we're worried about and doing some of the reality check, all that self-reflection. I think that's really powerful. I also want to segue for the last few minutes as well of this podcast to talk about, you know, what are some of the structures, right? Some of the things outside of ourselves that we can shift and change and deconstruct to minimize our stress. Because I think what we haven't focused on very much in this particular episode is the world is so fixated on more, 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 whether it's bigger houses or more expensive cars or more income or more clients or more followers or more. <laughs> it's like there's a there's this really forward leaning to more. And I think the more we're trying to consume, the more we're trying to create, the more we're trying to to get, that oftentimes that leads to stress. And sometimes we can choose and have control over this rat race that we're in and make different choices to have less stress in our lives. I also think that's an important thing to think about. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could definitely have a part two that talks yeah. about more of this piece. And, and I'm glad that we spend so much time on the internal because I think it, it needs to be said over and over again how important that piece is. But then where the compassion and the grace and the understanding that we have for ourselves is in this conversation around the world is our culture 
is inviting, constantly encouraging and rewarding us for doing more, for expanding, expanding, expanding. You know, that's what's seen as the the carrot, right? And so what we have to keep in mind is with that expansion, that comes stress. Um, there's more that you're holding. There's more that you're doing. And that at any time, you could look at pulling that back in. And that if we look at natural rhythms in the central nervous system, in the nature, the world around us, with expansion comes contractions. And we as a culture have a very difficult time with contractions. We don't like it when we get sick. We don't like it when we have to pull back. We don't like it when things get small. We don't like it when people die. We just don't like it. We don't like it. We don't want to come back in. We want to go out and out and out. And so understanding that the world is set up that way, that's kind of the stage for what we're operating in. And so it takes awareness of that and it takes some intentional permission granting that we say to ourselves, you know what, I know the world wants me to be out and everything else is moving in that direction. But right now to reduce my stress, what can I do right now to simplify, to bring the energy back in, to simplify my business, to let go of volunteering and doing this thing and that thing and all the stuff I signed up for and doing the family's holiday dinner? Like, what can I say no to? What can I pull back? And that takes work. It takes like an awareness for us to give ourselves that permission. Yeah. And I do think there is a lot we can do. I mean, you know, it's really interesting when we stop to observe what we're doing. And, you know, I got this experience kind of when we packed everything up in Australia, sold everything, like left everything behind, went on our nomadic trip. There was a real freedom in that experience. And it was really interesting when we decided to settle back into Austin and all of a sudden the weight of everything, you know, I could really feel it. It's like, it's so easy to get back in the rat race, right? The, you know, commitment of the school year, the commitment of the house, the car, the accumulation of more things, right? And so it is so easy to fall into the more trap. And I think what we have to do is look at how do we more deliberately pull back and minimize and it's okay to want that and it's okay to give ourselves permission to that, even in business, right? Because I think if you're in the world and any of the industries I'm constantly in, everyone is so obsessed with growth on such a high level, whether it's they need to get millions of followers and millions of dollars, they need to have the greatest next thing, or they they need to get, you know, on a TEDx stage or they, whatever it is, it's like everybody's so focused on this, you know, more, more, more. And I know for myself, I can even fall into in my envisioning of what I want in my business. Sometimes I fall into faster growth than I really need, right? So I get into this place of like, yes, I'm going to create all of this in the next three months and I'm going to do it all and I'm going to create more. And I have to sort of step out of that at some point and realize, wow, 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 okay, this is too fast. There's no need for that. I can slowly build. I can slowly grow because I start to feel my stress level and it increases. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling more stressed all the time. And I'm not having peaceful time. And I'm not having time with my family. And so all of those things are happening. And it's because I have created a timeline that's unreasonable. And there's no reason that I can't step out of that and just extend my timeline, right? Like something so simple as a choice to extend my timeline 
minimizes my stress so much. But we don't always think about those little tiny things that we can do. Oh, yeah. In a self-imposed timeline that we do give ourselves. And I I really think that you and I both have um, the gift of living outside our dominant culture. You know, we've both lived in different countries. And and so I'm glad you brought that piece up of how you notice that shift, because I felt the same thing after living in Sweden and then living in Canada, coming back to the States. I actually had simplified some of the things in my life in those places, not just because those cultures might have a different approach to it. I also wasn't in a familiar place in which I was um, constantly seeing the invitation to do my usual path, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like when you live outside of it, right? So it wasn't just like, oh, Australia, you know, oh, they don't have stress or oh, Sweden, they don't have stress. It was just that we stepped out of our dominant culture and we did not see the same reminders. Like, guess what? Everything's in Swedish. So I'm in, I'm not able to read, you know, this um, message that's like, get to this or the way that um, there's not the stores that I'm familiar with. So I'm not over consuming just because I don't know where to go. So I think it's really interesting how like it wasn't just because those places were that much different and they do have their differences, but it's, it's the idea of stepping outside of yourself. So if you can't move to another country, I'm not saying that you need to do that right now. That might stress you out. So take a deep breath, relax. I'm not asking you to move. But think about that. That's just a metaphor. It's an example of like, how do you step out of the dominant perception that you're steeping in right now? How can stepping out of that put yourself in a different environment and imagine what the world could look like if you just see it through a different lens? Yeah. And I think that's a really good place to wrap up for today. I do agree that I think there's a part two that we could (laughs) really dive into. So we'll save that one for another episode. But yeah, I think this is really good. And I think there is this really dominant feeling or, you know, sort of perspective from this episode, which is really about being able to shift our perception and shift our lens on what we're seeing. And sometimes even just that really changes our stress level. Right. Yeah. So in the spirit of what you said earlier, Sonia, just like to encourage our listeners, if this conversation intrigued you, try an experiment in which you (laughs) think about what are these consequences that you're afraid of and that are stressing you out? And what if you just released that you know, that you gave yourself permission to disappoint others or to miss a timeline, you know, and just see what happens when you actually sit with the natural consequence. Are you still okay? You know, just experiment with that a little bit. I love it. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Do you want more from your business, but feel unsure about where to start? If you're applying the wrong strategies, you can pour a lot of time, energy, and resources into your business and still not get the results you want. Luckily, if you're a service business, there's a free two-minute business assessment on my website that can help you get clear about what stage of growth you're in and what strategies you can use now to get where you want to go. You can find this and some really powerful training at sonyastatman.com backslash assessment. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. 
And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at soniastatman.com. See you next week.